It's seven o'clock in Los Angeles and up and down the West Coast. It's 10 a.m. in Cornwall, Connecticut, New York City, Tallahassee, Florida, in America. <laughs> 3 p.m. in London, England, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. Kyoto, Japan, it's 11 p.m. And in Malaysia, it's 2001. Yeah, we're moving up in the world. I'm Jay Shelton. I'm not wearing pants. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, welcome in, everybody. And uh, we hope you are enjoying your first day of the work week. Ours is just finished here. We just... We just uh, called it quits for the day. <laughs> 10 o'clock at night on a Monday. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. We're live on all four platforms. And, of course, welcome in to our podcast listeners who listen in by the hundreds every week. Um on all the plod, uh, podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Google, Radio Public, wherever it might be. Also, Verbal.com. We're now there. We added a new uh, outlet for you, V-U-R-B-L.com. You'll find I'm not wearing pants over there. And uh, while we're on the subject of our podcast, we again want to say hey to uh, Debbie Wright from the podcast called Never Too Late. You heard her little promotional piece run before our podcast just now, and uh, we want to encourage you, after you're done checking out our podcast, to head over to Debbie Wright, and the podcast is called Never Too Late. Interesting show. She's got some interesting guests, and uh, and uh, yeah, we so we encourage you to check out Debbie's podcast, Never Too Late. All right, and uh, among the other things tonight... Let's go, Brandon. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Look, I promised you I was always going to be honest and upfront and tell you about stuff that goes on when it goes on. I mentioned this before, but I forgot to mention it in the last stream. Those of you who are watching closely will notice I am missing a front tooth. So all I want for Christmas is my one front tooth. Actually, uh, had some stuff happen, and uh, my dentist is working on replacing the tooth, but it couldn't be done immediately. In the meantime, I'm trying to talk without moving my upper lip much so that you don't have to look at my missing tooth. But occasionally, you will see it. So there you go. It's just good old Honest Jay sitting it right up there on the front porch. And uh, yes, because I, I did get a couple of people that commented or I got one email actually uh, from somebody who said, what happened to your tooth? So there you go. That's what happened to my tooth. It'll be back hopefully in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I hope because I miss it. Um, yeah. So that's the name of that tune. Um, Malaysia is opening up again. Uh, they have just starting today, actually. They have just begun allowing interstate travel. We have 14 states in Malaysia um, as a country. And um, previously, for a long 
time now, uh, you were not allowed to travel even within districts inside the states. Well, they got rid of that a little while ago. And just as of today, because I believe Malaysia is now 90% uh, of the population is fully vaccinated. And uh, so they have opened up cross-state travel. So just started today. I'm guessing this weekend the roads north and south are going to be jammed. So you might want to leave now if you're planning on getting somewhere by the weekend. It's... It's entirely possible. It it just might take that long. But yes, we are indeed, uh, we are opening up slowly but surely again here in Malaysia. All right, it's time. Miko update. Me, 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 me. Miko update. Actually, there's not much to update for Miko tonight. She's doing well. She's doing great. Um, she is just on the end days of her twice annual shedding season. And thankfully, because I am so tired of vacuuming my house, I literally have to vacuum it every single day in order to keep ahead of the shedding. It's just, well, you know, if I ever miss winter, it looks a lot like that now, so... Uh, oh my. But anyway, she's doing very well. Uh, she's back to eating normally. She played around a lot today. And uh, so she's she's doing well. Thank you for those of you who, who make comments and inquire and ask about uh, our little Shiba Inu baby, Miko. Um, by the way, if you want to send comments, suggestions for topics to cover on the show, you want to comment about something, you want to ask me where's my missing tooth, you can send an email to nopants at jsheldon.com. I read all your emails. I reply everybody. So if you want to get a hold of us, in addition to just jumping in and putting it in the chat on the show, you can also always email us. I check your emails. I reply everyone. It's nopants at jsheldon.com if you want to check that out over there. So please do send us an email. All right, we've got a lot to cover tonight, and we're going to get right to it. Do you know anybody who really deserves a tight slap? Now, if I gave a crap about what the politically correct crowd said, I would preface this by saying we don't condone violence. But I don't give a crap what the politically correct crowd says, so I'm not going to say that. You just know some people who deserve a tight slap. Well, I love this. There is this enterprising guy. And give me a second, because I just got to fix one thing. Here we go. Ready? Pop. There you go. Check this out. This is from worldofbuzz.com. We love you, World of Buzz. Thank you so much, Hat tip to World of Buzz. You'll find all this stuff in our show notes, by the way, in the description of the show. You'll find the links for all these articles. Do check them out. But this guy, I love this guy. I don't know who it is. In fact, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. But um, a Malaysian is actually selling slaps for between 37 cents and I don't know, a little more expensive. 210 people have already bought them. 
Yes. <laughs> now, I don't know because it doesn't say this in the article. But if you have watched the Squid Games, and I think almost all of you have, it's is it already like the number one best watched show in all of Netflix history? I don't know. It's somewhere close to that anyway. But if you watch the Squid Games, you'll know that the slapping bit is a big part of the first episode. I will tell you, by the way, I was watching the Squid Games. I got up to the third episode and I shut it off. I just, it, I don't know. I mean, I know everybody talks about, oh, it's a commentary on the world we live in and, you know, the frailty of life and blah, 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 blah theory. Honestly, to me, it was just, maybe I'm just too old now, but it was just senseless, ridiculous violence. And frankly, I don't really need that in my life right now. So interesting though it might be, I just, it lost me. And about the moment in the third episode where they were going around shooting people that broke the cookies, it was like, you know what? I'm done with this show. I'm just not that interested anymore. So color me the weird one, but didn't really like it. That's okay. If you did, good for you. Back to the slaps. You want a tight slap? <laughs> this guy is, he went online. We have a couple of Actually, it's more than just here in Malaysia, but we have Lazada and we have Shopee. Those are the two big online sales platforms. I know they're worldwide, but anyway, um, we it says here in the World of Buzz article, we all have that one annoying friend whom we love with all our hearts, but sometimes there's an urge to just give him a good tight slap. Well, we're not promoting, promoting violence here, it says, but we have all thought about it at some point. Come on, just admit it. You've thought about it. Well, what if we told you you can now order an HD virtual slap to be sent to your annoying friends or your arch nemesis? Apparently, it's an actual thing. Here is the ad. <laughs> and this guy, whoever did this, has got such a cool marketing concept here. It's basically a picture of his hand, which he will then send. You supply, you pay the money, 37 cents, which, again, if you compare that to USD, it's like four to one. So that's like 10 cents or less, less than 10 cents, maybe about eight cents in USD. And here in Malaysia, we call our individual, like one ringgit is made out of 100 Sen, S-E-N. Sounds like sense, but it's Sen, S-E-N. Anyway, so this guy's selling them. You can get it for between 37 Sen and 47 Sen. 47 is for the HD version. And he's got a picture of his hand. It says, new look. <laughs> this is a classic. This is so cool. And people have bought it. Look at this. 212 sold. <laughs> and a five-star rating. Shipping costs zero. This is so cool. Look at this. Here's, here's another one of the ads. Oh, it's been sold out, apparently. So I don't know if maybe he's resupplied his slaps. But um, you can get a regular slap for 37 cents or an HD picture for 47 cents. So I'd go with the HD, I think. 
You can get it with shopping vouchers even. The merchant on Shopee sells online slaps where he sends a picture of his palm, indicating a slap, to a person with a special message for them. Uh, they charge from 37 to 47 per slap. Depends on the type of slap one would like to send. There is the regular slap. Seller will send picture of his palm through WhatsApp with a special message. And the surprise HD slap. Seller will send an HD picture of his palm through a document file, which will surprise the receiver once he or she opens the file. So there you go. And here's some of the orders that were made. They wanted to send one there, and there's the picture confirming the delivery. <laughs> this is great. We love this guy. <coughs> you know, Malaysians are nothing if they're not inventive, and that's damned inventive. A hat tip to whoever came up with that, uh, with that brilliant idea. By the way, <laughs> I got about four hours of sleep last night. I tried to take a nap this afternoon, you know, a nice old man nap. I'm living on about 15 cups of coffee right now, so hang on, I need a coffee break. Mm. And that, by the way, is our Miko merchandise. It's got our show logo on the back. See, looks just like that one. There you go. And Miko on the front. And you can order it at twitch.tv slash jsheldonnopants if you'd like. T-shirts. In fact, I'm wearing one of our T-shirts tonight. How can I get out of the way here? Eh, you can't really see it. Anyway, it's got our logo. It's got Miko on it. You can check that out. So, yeah, there you go. We plugged the merchandise at twitch.tv. Check out uh, J. Sheldon No Pants for our merchandise over there. Thank you. And if you'd like to support the show, by the way, in another way, you can go to patreon.com slash Sheldon. You can support us there. All right. Um, I... Uh, I have a story tonight that I really hate to do, but I have to do it because it's important. And it has to do with this guy because tomorrow, sadly, is the anniversary of the death of Matthew Shepard. Now, if you are probably less than 20 or 30 years old, you may not know the name Matthew Shepard but you should. This is not going to be a happy story, sadly, but it's an important one. This article is from pinknews.co.uk. If you want to check it out, the uh, link will be in our show description tonight, in our show notes. Remembering Matthew Shepard, whose brutal murder sparked a national reckoning on uh, homophobia. It has been 23 years since Matthew Shepard was beaten, tortured, and left to die in what remains one of the worst homophobic hate crimes in American history. He was 21 years old, a student at the University of Wyoming at the time. He was brutalized by two men he met in a dive bar in Laramie, Wyoming in 1998. They offered to give him a ride home, instead drove him to a remote rural area where they beat him into a coma tied him to a barbed wire prairie fence, stole his shoes, and abandoned him to the elements in near freezing condition. Shepard was found 18 hours later by a cyclist who at first mistook him for a scarecrow. He'd been pistol-whipped so many times 
he suffered four skull fractures and a crushed brain stem. Reports described how his face was completely covered in blood except where it had been partially cleansed by his tears. This is hard to read. The only time I've ever seen those dramatic injuries were in high-speed traffic crashes, you know, where there's just extremely violent compression fractures that uh, Albany County Sheriff Dave O'Malley told the BBC years later. Shepard's injuries far too severe for doctors to operate, and he never woke up after losing consciousness in that cold field in Wyoming. He died in hospital six days later. The brutal, brutal attack shook the nation. The New York Times likened the killing to the Western custom of nailing a dead coyote to a fence to ward off intruders. It prompted a reckoning on tacit tolerance of homophobia, and the Hollywood celebrities were very quick to take up the cause. Ellen DeGeneres attended a vigil on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. Madonna complained to the University of Wyoming. Elton John sent flowers to the funeral. Barbara Streisand personally called the Albany County Sheriff's Office to demand action. As the killing made headlines around the world, it finally highlighted what uh, LGBT Americans already knew too well, that discrimination they faced was physical, violent, and sadly too often fatal. Uh, the case went to trial. It cast light on yet another uncomfortable truth, the shocking lack of hate crime protections for the queer community. Incredibly, Shepard's killers, Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney, could not be prosecuted for any homophobic motive because federal hate crimes at that time only encompassed a person's race, color, religion, or national origin. And to add insult to injury, McKinney's lawyers tried to invoke the gay panic defense, arguing he had only intended to rob him, but Shepard made him fly into a rage by touching his leg. Well, fortunately, the judge in the case dismissed this uh, legal strategy. Both killers are now serving two consecutive life terms for kidnap and murder. Uh, however, sadly, even to this day, the gay and trans panic defense still remains in 35 U.S. states. Other states have uh, banned it, but only 15. California, Illinois, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, Nevada, New York, New Jersey, Washington, Colorado, Virginia, Maryland, Oregon, and Vermont. To the other states, what the hell? Everywhere else, a criminal defendant can actually claim that they found a victim's sexuality or gender identity so frightening that they were provoked into violence. That's a legit defense. Not that it will fly in all courts, but in some states, that is still, to this day, sadly, a legitimate defense, and uh, argued diminished responsibility on that basis. Wow. Shepard's parents, Judy and Dennis, uh, refused to accept the gaping flaws in the legal system. 
They mobilized, uh, they were mobilized by their son's death. Both became LGBT activists, established the Matthew Shepard Foundation in his name, and uh, Judy Shepard has kept her son's memory alive through a campaign for acceptance and legal equality, speaking at more than 900 events in 25 countries. After a decade of campaigning, uh, in 2009, President Obama signed the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, named jointly in honor of Shepard and a 49-year-old black man were, uh, murdered by white supremacists. And uh, that finally protected federally uh, hate crimes on gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. And in honor of her work, Matthew Shepard's university presented his mother with the highest award, the Honorary Doctor of Humane Letters degree. Her tireless work on behalf of the LGBT community has brought about important changes and has inspired and encouraged countless other individuals. That picture right there over my shoulder is Matthew Shepard. And tomorrow is the anniversary, sadly, of his death. So we wanted to take some time tonight and honor him uh, on the show. It's terrible we have to do those kind of things, but uh, important stories for people to know. And if you'd like to read the entire article, you can check it out. It'll be in our show notes uh, tonight. Hey, Luna Amethyst, welcome in, welcome in. Hey, bro, Whew, she says, sorry I was late. <laughs> You're not late. You're here now, that's all that's important. All right. Hey, we got some amazing news here. Again, thank you, World of Buzz. You guys, I'm telling you, I love your stories. If you, if you want to really check out some great human interest, con some controversial, some fun, some uh, weird, wacky, crazy things, and um, yes, I did see the uh, prototype of your Cliff cosplay. Uh, it's looking good, Luna. Um, Namwi, who is one of our Malaysian artists, has uh, won an amazing international award at the Rome Music Video Awards. Congratulations to Malaysia's own Namwi. Uh, Namwe is very controversial. He calls them like he sees them. He doesn't put up with anybody's crap. He says what's on his mind, and he doesn't care what the fallout is. He is a true free speech guy, and I love him to death. We love this guy. Uh, but anyway, proof was in the pudding, and the pudding says Namwe's music videos win international awards at the Rome Music Video Awards. So congratulations and a tip of the hat. If you want to read the whole article, check out everything. He says here, there's a quote from him. I hope the world can better understand the world of Asian music. Well said. That from our own, uh, Malaysia's own Namwe, who sadly, as in many cases, has had a lot more success outside of this country than he's had in it. In fact, in it, he winds up having to answer police questions here. Whatever. 
Okay, Amethyst, let's see, been making some NSR edits, pride-related ones. Cool, good for you. Keep going, keep posting, I'll keep liking. All right, hey, speaking of amazing people, again, it's World of Buzz. You know, World of Buzz, you guys really should sponsor my show because you're getting all this free airtime here. <laughs> Worldofbuzz.com, links in the show notes. Check this out. Hey, hey, it's Pandela Renong. Oh, man. You know what? I don't even think you have to be in Malaysia to know this lady's name. She is amazing. Uh, she is one of our Olympians, and uh, she has finally been knighted. Uh, we don't call it that here, but sort of, with a Dato title. Now, I had read earlier that it was a Datuk title. Although I don't understand all these Tansri, Dato, Dato titles. Anyway, the important thing is she has been honored and she deserves it. Uh, she has finally been uh, given the Dato title. Malaysian uh, diver, uh, world champion Pandela Renong Pang has been conferred the title of Dato by her home state of Sarawak in conjunction with the 85th birthday of Sarawak Young Dipertua Nagari Tun Pahin Sri Abdul Taib Mahmud. And uh, she is 28 years old, recently represented Malaysia in the Tokyo Olympics, of course. Uh, most decorated female Olympian Malaysia has ever produced and has won two Olympic medals and five world championships so congratulations and a tip of the hat uh, tip of the hat to uh, pandela such an honor and very very well deserved just wanted to celebrate that tonight all right what else we got going on hey coming up we'll be getting back into our book we're headed in this is the last chapter of the first book so we got one more book which i think has about eight or ten chapters, and then we'll be done with The War of the Worlds. we got to start kind of thinking about what book we want to do next. Mm. Okay. Uh, oh, speaking of good people, this was a great one I saw today. It's so cool. It's a Good People News uh, page over on Facebook. Check it out. This is, a, this is such a great story. Uh, somebody posted this. He said, I have a confession to make. I wouldn't know John Bon Jovi if he walked in the building. I cannot name a single song he's ever recorded. It's not that I don't like him or his music. I just never really was exposed to it. But this superstar is washing dishes at one of his JBJ Soul Kitchen restaurants. These JBJ, which stands for John Bon Jovi, uh, Soul Kitchen Restaurants, uh, do amazing work feeding the homeless. They're still cooking. They are still making food for those in need, especially during these uncertain times. And instead of disappearing to wait out the pandemic in some fancy penthouse somewhere, which, you know, John Bon Jovi actually has the money to afford to live in some fancy penthouse somewhere. But no, John Bon Jovi is showing up and washing dishes 
in his restaurants. There he is. Now that is what it means to be a rock star. Yeah. Love John Bon Jovi, love his work, and uh, he's had these uh, JBJ uh, Soul Kitchen restaurants to help the homeless uh, for years and years. But he still jumps right in there, and you can see there is a picture. It doesn't look like a posed picture either. It's got the apron on, and he looks like he's dressed for the job. But there he is washing dishes in his uh, JBJ Soul Kitchen restaurant. That's... Uh, that's some cool news. All right. Uh, why did we post this today? I think it's because Orson Welles passed away today. But my dear friend Zane over on Facebook, and again, this is a public post, uh, reposted his Twitter feed. If you want, go follow my friend Zane over on, uh, on Twitter. But this, I did not know this. It says RIP Orson Welles. He predicted a small camera that could be held like an eyeball and shoot long takes with camera movements, which in his day were thought to be impossible. And now we have things like GoPros, drones, and more than that, actually. But yeah, in his day, he Orson Welles actually predicted that one day we would have things like GoPros and drones that can do incredibly long takes. Very cool. And the reason I saved that one for last is because, of course, Orson Welles, uh, among the many things he is famous for, uh, Citizen Kane, and uh, but the War of the Worlds radio broadcast that Orson Welles did um, has been... Uh, has been replayed and played time and time again. And uh, hang on one second. I need to make a little bit of an adjustment. There we go. And uh, yeah, so the uh, War of the Worlds, which is the book we're reading currently, uh, Orson Welles did a great deal to make that that famous. But uh, let's um, let's get into our book. And in order to do that, we got to pop up, not that one, Where's the other one? Where is my... There it is. The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Originally serialized in a magazine back in 1897 and then first published in book form in 1898. All right. We're going to move ahead to uh, chapter 17, is it right? Yes, chapter 17. This is called The Thunder Child. Had the Martians aimed only at destruction, they might on Monday have annihilated the entire population of London as it spread itself slowly through the home counties. Not only along the roads through Barnet, but also through Edgware and Waltham Abbey, along the roads eastward to Southend, Shoeburyness, south of the Thames, to Deal and Broadstairs, poured the same frantic route. If one could have hung that June morning in a balloon in the blazing blue above London, every northward and eastward road running out of the tangled maze of streets would have seen stippled black 
with the streaming fugitives, each dot a human agony of terror and physical distress. I have set forth at length in the last chapter of my brother's account of the road through Chipping Barnett in order that my readers may realize how that swarming of black dots appeared to one of those concerned. Never before in the history of the world had such a mass of human beings moved and suffered together. The legendary hosts of Goths and Huns, the hugest armies of Asia has ever seen, would have been but a drop in that current. And this was no disciplined march. It was a stampede. A stampede gigantic and terrible, without order and without a goal. Six million people, unarmed, unprovisioned, driving headlong. It was the beginning of the rout of civilization, of the massacre of mankind. Directly below him, the balloonist would have seen the network of streets far and wide, houses, churches, squares, crescents, gardens, already derelict, spread out like a huge map, and in the southward blotted, over Ealing, Richmond, Wimbledon, it would have seemed as if some monstrous pen had flung ink upon the chart. Steadily, incessantly, each black splash grew and spread, shooting out ramifications this way and that, now banking itself against rising ground now pouring swiftly over a crest into a new-found valley, exactly as a gout of ink would have spread itself upon blotting paper. And beyond, over the blue hills that rise southward of the river, the glittering Martians went to and fro, calmly and methodically spreading their poison cloud over this patch of country, and then over that, laying it again with their jet streams, when it served its purpose, taking possession of the conquered country. They do not seem to have aimed at extermination so much as at complete demoralization and the destruction of any opposition. They exploded any stores of powder they came upon, cut every telegraph, wrecked the railways here and there. There were hamstringing mankind, they seemed in no hurry to extend the field of their operations and did not come beyond the central part of London all that day. It is impossible that a very considerable number of people in London stuck to their houses through Monday morning. Certain it is that many died at home, suffocated by the black smoke. Until about midday, the pool of London was an astonishing scene. Steamboats and shipping of all sorts lay there, tempted by the enormous sums of money offered by fugitives, and it's said that many who swam out to these vessels were thrust off by boat hooks and drowned. About one o'clock in the afternoon, the thing remnant of a cloud of black vapor appeared between the arches of Blackfriars Bridge. At that pool became a scene of mad confusion, fighting, collision, and, for some time, a multiple of boats and barges jammed in the northern arch of the Tower Bridge. 
and the sailors and lightermen had to fight savagely against the people who swarmed upon them from the riverfront. People were actually clamoring down the piers of the bridge from above. When, an hour later, a Martian appeared beyond the clock tower and waded down the river, nothing but wreckage floated above Limehouse. Of the falling of the fifth cylinder, I have presently to tell. The sixth star fell at Wimbledon. My brother, keeping watch beside a woman and the chase in a meadow, saw the green flash of it far beyond the hills. On Tuesday, the little party, still set upon getting across the sea, made its way through the swarming country towards Colchester. The news that the Martians were now in possession of the whole of London was confirmed. They had seen at Highgate, and even it was said at Neesden, but did not come into my brother's view until the morrow. That day the scattered multitudes began to realize the urgent need of provisions. As they grew hungry, the rights of property ceased to be regarded. Farmers were out to defend their cattle sheds, granaries, and ripening root crops with arms in their hands. A number of people now, like my brother, had their faces eastward, and there were some desperate souls even going back towards London to get food. These were chiefly people from the northern suburbs whose knowledge of the black smoke came by hearsay. He heard that about a half the members of the government had gathered at Birmingham, and that enormous quantities of high explosives were being prepared to be used in automatic mines across the Midland counties. He was also told that the Midland Railway Company had replaced the desertions of the first day's panic, resuming traffic, and was running trains northward from St. Albans to relieve the congestion of the home counties. There was also a placard in Chipping Ongar announcing that large stores of flour were available in the northern towns and that within 24 hours bread would be distributed among the starving people in the neighborhood. But this intelligence didn't deter him from the plan of escape he'd formed, and three pressed eastward all day heard no more of the bread distribution than this promise. Nor, as a matter of fact, did anyone hear any more of it. That night fell the seventh star, falling upon Primrose Hill. It fell while Miss Ethelstone was watching for she took that duty alternately with my brother. She saw it. On Wednesday, the three fugitives, they'd passed the night in a field of unripe wheat, reached Chelmsford, and there a body of the inhabitants, calling itself the Committee of Public Supply, seized the pony as provisions, and would give nothing in exchange for it, but the promise of a share in it the next day. There were rumors of Martians at Epping, and the news of the destruction of Waltham Abbey powder mills in a vain attempt to blow up one of the invaders. People were watching for Martians here from the church towers. My brother, very luckily for him as it chanced, preferred to push on at once to the coast rather than wait for food although all three of them were very hungry. By midday, they passed through Tillingham, which 
strangely enough, seemed to be quite silent and deserted, save for a few furtive plundering for food. Near Tillingham, they suddenly came in sight of the sea, and the most amazing crowd of shipping of all sorts that it is possible to imagine. For after the sailors could no longer come up the Thames, they came on to the Essex coast, to Harwich and Walton and Clacton, and afterwards to Foulness and Shoebury to bring off the people. They lay in a huge sickle-shaped curve that vanished into mist at last towards the Naz. Close inshore was a multitude of fishing shacks, English, Scotch, French, Dutch, Swedish, steam launches from the Thames, yachts, electric boats, and beyond were ships of larger burden. A multitude of filthy colliers, trim merchantmen, cattle ships, passenger boats, petroleum tanks, ocean tramps, and an old white transport even, neat white and gray liners from Southampton and Hamburg, and all along the blue coast across the black water, my brother could make out dimly a dense swarm of boats chaffered with people on the beach, a swarm which was also extended up the black water, almost to Malden. About a couple of miles out lay an ironclad, very low in the water, almost to my brother's perception, like a waterlogged ship. This was the ram Thunderchild. It was the only warship in sight. But too far away to the right, over the smooth surface of the sea, for that day there was a dead calm, lay a serpent of black smoke, to mark the next ironclads of the Channel Fleet, which hovered in an extended line, steamed up and ready for action across the Thames estuary during the course of the Martian conquest, vigilant and yet powerless to prevent it. And we are going to leave it right there, halfway through chapter 17 of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. Cool beans. All right, we'll finish up Chapter 17 on our Wednesday night live stream. Join us for that. Join us, too, if you can, over on patreon.com slash Sheldon, where you can find a spot to help support the show, and we uh, hope you will do that. If you'd like to listen to the or watch the video version of our show, if you're listening in on the podcast, uh, do check out rumble.com slash jsheldon. Uh, sign up for a free account. Be sure to like and subscribe us over there. Wherever you may be uh, listening or viewing us, uh, thank you so much for that. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. I thank you, gang. We will uh, see you Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Malaysia time. Enjoy the rest of your work week. Until Wednesday, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night, everybody.